This icon is racist. I have never ever been a spy. Can the PBS bank uh, The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shape. Can you please come in? Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Times Politics Weekly. Um, with me, Amil Amrao. We're here in the studio with my Sunday Times colleagues, Apiwe de Klerk, Zimasa Matewane, and Kwanita Hunter. Thank you all so much for joining me in studio this week, and thank you for everyone who's listening out there. Um, we obviously welcome your support. The more listeners, the better for us. We really enjoy interacting with you on Twitter as well. So don't forget, when, you've, when you're done listening to our podcast this week, please interact with us on Twitter at hashtag STPoliticsWeekly. You can also find our podcasts and on the Times Live website under the Opinions and Analysis page. We'll be sharing these links all over social media uh, if you guys want to find us there. Anyway, let's get straight into it with our first section, the good, the bad, and the newsworthy. And for this week, we thought we would talk about sex. Well, not really <laughs> sex. <laughs> not really sex, but more about what EFF leader Julius Malema said over the weekend at the Vodacom Durban July. Spectacular event, which is the Durban July, where we see politicians masquerading in their expensive suits, um, interacting with the big businessmen of the country, and we see a different side to them. Um, I think for the one time in the year, we actually get to see the side rather than the Soma, the Sona red carpet, where they still can't say much. But yeah. at this gathering, let's call it gathering here, at an after party, Julius Maneva made a little statement. Um, looked like a drunken statement to me, but let's not pass any allegations here. Um, he said, and he told the crowd, who were, always in a, who were obviously in a bit of a party mood, go to your rooms and have sex. Take your booze with you. Your women are waiting for you. Stop sleeping here. Now, this was obviously a very jovial setting, right? Yeah. But now we're talking about a senior politician in South Africa, a leader of one of the biggest parties in the country who commanded a massive influence across um, a lot of his voters. And and you know, Zimaso, what the EFF's voters and supporters are like. They're diehard fans of Julius. Yeah, no, of course. Nothing he can ever <laughs> do would be wrong in their eyes. So now you're commanding such influence. And I just want to use this as a case study almost. Because we see politicians in their sort of private lives saying one thing and with a very different personality and tone. And then we watch them in parliament and we watch them at rallies. And mm. it's very different. Mm. It's a very different message and a very different tone. Mm. Should there be a line between these two? Because for me personally, I would love to see Julia speaking like this in Parliament. <laughs> you yeah, know? but he's I would like, love to see. There? I would love to see <laughs> people, politicians, be themselves, so that we can vote for the person that they truly are, rather than this facade that they normally put up. What do you guys think? I think that. The, the, the the it was the right time and place. It was a fun, and I think Julius wanted to prove a point, especially considering the media attention about this hypocritical life that him and the other EFF leaders have been. You know, the the, the, the just the commentary about it. So I think going to the Durban July for him was like a serious show of like, I will show you that I'm going to have fun. Went yeah. there post. Posted pictures of yeah. his amazing yeah. suit. That was a really good suit. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, wow. did Instagram lives of him drinking mm. his bubbly and whatever he was drinking. DJed a little bit. I think he really went there to 
to to um, let his hair down. And I think in South Africa, we don't have like an American type of culture that more people relate to politicians when mm. they are like this than when um, they are just, you know, standing from a pulpit and preaching. Yes. So like for, th- for this, it was like, oh, he's a normal human being. Mm. He has fun. He drinks. He parties like everyone else. I, w- I would I would actually like to see more politicians having fun and <laughs> you know letting their gut down and saying whatever it is that they want to say so that we can sort of like get to know them better. Mm. Um, yeah, to talk Kibana. about. <laughs> 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 yeah, I know around January eight, Kibana is what's happening. But guys, do you think that um, this distinction should exist um, where we see a? Um, a persona like Julius Maleba in one state and then in a different setting we see him in a different uh, state saying something different um, because some would argue that it's not the message of his party or his it's convoluting the messages of the party with his own messages where do we go from there? Okay so Judas has been consistent uh, with encouraging people to have sex mm. and have more kids even during the campaign yeah. uh, this is something that he advocated mm. a lot um, so I think that when you're at work, you are serious. There are things that you can say at work. There are things that you can't say at work. Uh, but uh, even you, Amil, when you're at Cubana on Saturday, they're oh, but this is dancing, this dancing is... In, uh, on top of a table. You say whatever you want. You <laughs> say whatever uh, you somebody knows some stories. Anyway, but that's different. I mean, you know, in the private sector, obviously, but now you're a public persona. Should different rules apply to you? But I don't think there's anything contradictory about. I really don't, and I and I think that, um, like, let, let's give an example. You know the Mjuduzi Manana, yes. hitting a, a woman, woman yeah. yeah, right. Like for me, it 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 just that scenario. He was out partying, and that went wrong, and whatever. For me, that that's now inconsistent with your office. You understand what I'm saying? Because you committed a crime. You committed a crime, mm. right? Mm. But going out and, 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 and having a party and having... I mean, there's a whole lot of other conversations that you can have about conspicuous consumption in South Africa, given the state of the economy, given your politics. All of that can happen. But I don't think that... like. I don't think that another conversation can be had about Julius's hypocrisy or his, um, you know, the the whole thing about oh, you preach one thing in Parliament and and you you wear fancy suits to Durban July and you wear red overalls in Parliament. Mm-hmm. I feel like that point is exhausted, and whoever cared enough to accept that mm-hmm. point has accepted that point. Yeah, yeah. But also, I think I, w- I would. I want to agree with uh, Kanita mm. regarding that. I mean, um, the whole the whole thing was cheap politicking um, mm. that they were going to wear suits. But when they go into a serious conversation to say, no, the reason why we we wear these is because we sympathize with these people and whatnot. Now, okay, um, so do we then expect them to go wearing a red overalls? Everywhere they go, mm. uh, or I mean, we know how much MPs get paid. So, should what do we want to, them to do with the money that they get paid? Should they uh, stake it up until they get kicked out of parliament and then go live a luxurious <laughs> life yeah. when they are no longer public reps? Or uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's it's a very uh, tricky conversation. We know who Julius is. Mm. It's well documented. I don't think 
he would have then changed overnight when he got kicked out of the ANC Youth League. His followers follow him, knowing very well who the person he is, mm. uh, his lifestyle, and and and, and all of that. Uh, 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 with they know about uh, Ratanang Trust yeah. and they know uh, about Ratanang the son as well. <laughs> uh, they they follow him on Instagram. Uh, and Q is a big fan on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I seriously love his Instagram lives. I would so, like you yeah. know you know what I I, I liked about uh, Julius and his uh, sex video. Mm. His sex not video. not sex <laughs> tape. <laughs> sex video. Yeah. Is that um, having been at the Devon July? before I've seen politicians who behave like politicians mm. at groove yeah and it doesn't make sense to me it looks fake mm. so you get there you look like you're an honorable member at a marquee where people are doing your vote yeah. You don't belong there. Don't go there. <laughs> Julius goes there. Yeah. He makes things happen. Mm. He makes people excited. People go and have sex and do whatever they want to do. It's fun. Oh, I That's that, why he was there. I guess that is the allure that is Julius Polema, I guess. But I think this it really makes us have like a more I think we need to start having a bit more mature conversation about these these kind of inconsistencies or whatever. Like for me there was nothing offensive about that about that video. Like yeah. like the man was drunk. I'll say the man was drunk. I saw the Instagram <laughs> live video when they were <laughs> when he was drinking. But but it's just that it's just that what happens is you have the stupid conversation. And you know, I, um, Zimasa, you remember some weeks ago, even some months ago, I wrote that story about Julius um, having um, yeah, a membership at membership, a very yeah. elite mm. polo club, and something was unsettling about the story to me as a person who wrote the story. Right? Mm. It's like so what. But then the argument was made at the time to say, okay, um, he, this is exactly what he fights against, that mm. whole exclusivity. That's, mm. it's, that makes no sense. Also, it was a light... The elitism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, and it was a light story. It was a fun story. He laughed at it. Fine, whatever. But but also, I feel like like that conversation, that, that whole, oh, look at Julius. Julius is acting like a celebrity or... Julius is a celebrity. Yeah, of course. And, <laughs> and if his and if his followers don't see it, they don't see it. Well, I guess it will be up to up to the EFF supporters to make up their own minds. We'll be back after the quick break when we get into the story of the week. Join me, Paul Ash in a beautiful soundscape as we explore the world in the Sunday Times Travel Podcast. Find it at sundaytimes.co.za To advertise on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly Podcast, email us at smiths at tsoblackstar.co.za That's smiths at tsoblackstar.co.za Welcome back. Now, the story of the week can be none other than our ambassador to the Netherlands, Bruce Kolwane, who who appeared between, before the state capture inquiry this week and basically kept up to his title. He remained he remained true to his prescribed title as the Waterkloof fall guy back in 2013 when the Guptas landed that private jet airways plane um, at the Waterkloof Air Force Base. That's just outside Pretoria, right? So 
the good if you guys don't know back in 2013 before the gupta's massive sun city winning they had landed about 80 to 100 guests um, at the restricted military air base obviously they weren't allowed to as civilians but they through some explanation that we still don't have properly were allowed to land this jet and this was the first sort of indication that the guptas had a massive influence over the state now Kowane at the time he was charged um, he was under disciplinary action from Durko. At the time, he was charged on three charges and he pleaded guilty to all of them. Uh, just for some background, the first charge um, alleged that he abused his diplomatic channels and took it upon himself to facilitate the landing for the Guptas. Um, it's also alleged that he spoke directly to the command post at Vatakluf and stated that Indian ministers will be arriving on the flight when this was not the case. He was also accused, and this is important, of dropping the names in inverted commas of Former President Jacob Zuma. Number one. Number one. <laughs> as referred to in some call recordings that um, an investigation then found. Um, the Defense Minister Nosevibe um, Mapisa Nakula and then Transport Minister Ben Martins. Now, this was done apparently in an effort to pressurize the command post to issue the clearance for the landing to take place. Um, he was also accused of misrepresenting facts when he told the command center flight post officer Tabo Nisi, um, who was in charge of permitting the landing at the time, that this was a unique case that had to be pushed through. Um, the third charge alleged that he compromised processes and procedures at Durko because the department had not recommended uh, or knew that the flight was coming in. So he pleaded guilty to all those charges back and then. then. He got and a final written warning. He got a final written warning. No, he was suspended. And then President Jacob Zuma at the time gave him this highly lucrative um, ambassadorial post in the Netherlands. Remember at the time he was the um, chief of protocol, yeah. if not mistaken, for South Africa when he was suspended. Uh, in light of his testimony mm. uh, now at the Zondo Commission, yeah. uh, he should be recalled. There's, I think a lot of people are actually saying there's, that. There's, but, but there's, there's no... There's no way mm. you, you could have someone who says, uh, amongst other reasons why he did that, he wanted to impress the High, the Commissioner. High Commission. And also, he says, after that, he has then since facilitated business meetings for the Guptas yes. as the mm. as, as our ambassador in Netherlands. Mm. Clearly, this guy is, is still serving uh, um, the people that he was saving of course. Uh, before he was posted in that he, he clearly so why, why why is he not recalled so basically he After can this. he can sell us to impress uh, yeah. some guy in india but but let's, let's <laughs> let's <see. laughs> and, and, and then continue to to while he's supposed to be uh, advancing our interest <laughs> as a country yeah. continue to advance the interests of, of the, the Guptas, who are, are are they fugitive can we call them fugitive <laughs> yes they are fugitive to the state capture process <laughs> They are not coming here. So let me tell they you a story. Still, uh, man, he, they must recall that guy. In 2015, right, Jenny, our colleague and I, we went to the Netherlands, right? And we went to The Hague. And then we were invi he invited us for dinner at a restaurant. Oh, so sounds we, like a capture story. <laughs> 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 so, we, so we go to this uh, restaurant uh, and, you know, we're talking and whatever. And I remember there was delicious food there. <laughs> and then, not curry, but... <laughs> and, um, and then Ranjani starts the conversation to say, so what happened? Like, you know, tell us. And, you know, I probed and she probed it. And he was like, 
what happened at the Watercloof Landing will come with me to my grave. No one will ever know whatever happened there. That's literally what he said. There are some things you did in that job as a head of state protocol, which is a very powerful job. Mm-hmm. And um, he says, like, there's just some things people will never know. And so Ranjani joked and said, well, his grave is parked out. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> <dead. laughs> but the I, thing is, like, he's still taking it to his grave exactly, because his yeah, testimony exactly. was absolute rubbish. Let me break it down for you guys here. <laughs> because... On Monday, when he first appeared before the commission, he said that he instructed Ntsisi, who was in part, who was in charge of um, authorizing the landing, to process the flight application with the understanding that the Indian High Commission had substitute uh, had submitted all the required documentation for the landing to take place. But now, on Tuesday, after the commission played the recordings, um, some core recordings between him, Ntsisi, and other members of the um, senior members of the defense um, force. He says that no, he felt pressured. Um, no, sorry, he pressured Ntsitsi because he felt the need to appease the Indian High Commissioner, who at, who at the time was Virendra Gupta. There's no really link to the. There's no link to the family here, uh, even though they have the same surname. But he changed his tune around completely. Then he started admitting to all the charges. First, he was very defensive on Monday, saying that no, it was his PA's fault beca- mm, when she sent an mm, email mm. Um, authorizing the flight. She misunderstood him. That was not his intention. There was a misunderstanding between the two of them. Maybe he didn't communicate it properly. And then on Tuesday, he comes back. Let me quote him here on Tuesday. I pleaded administrative negligence because the impression that had been created was that there had not been any there there had not been any application, and I was informed by the Indian High Commissioner that he had applied. And he was of the assumption, he says, that all was done properly and by the book. I did agree that I erred in that. And then he goes on, uh, you know, and then the big parts of the testimony was that he used the names of President Jacob Zuma, the Minister of Transport and the Minister of Defense, when he was pressurizing these senior officials. He was basically saying, hold up, number one has authorized this. The Minister of Defense knows about this. The Minister of Transport knows about this. And he used these names to sort of get all the other senior officials to get the flight to land. Now he says, no, he only did that to get the job done, to uh, authorize. And and, and he was not acting under anybody's instructions. The Minister of Defense didn't know about it. The Minister of Transport didn't know, and especially President Jacob Zuma did not know about it. He just used their names I in order to pressurize those officials. I don't believe that. Things who are in great art. That <laughs> I don't <laughs> believe that, but what I don't understand is why Why is he protecting number one? Because he has nothing to gain from number one anymore. Because uh, his number zero. Uh, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> his number zero. Uh, how do you know? Maybe he has gained something already. So, so this is... okay. Without sounding like a conspiracy theorist, right? What you know for sure is that the Guptas were at the height of their might at the time. Yeah. And you know that the president didn't believe there was anything wrong with the Vatikov landing. Right? Yeah. So, okay, what we also know is that Jacob Zuma doesn't leave his handprints on anything. Yeah, no. That is true. Never. <laughs> so you won't find his handprints. Mm. But, and then you also know that the chief of state protocol works immensely close with the president. Yes. Because this is the person, like, so you know when Ramaphosa arrives at an event, right? Mm. The chief of state protocol has already done everything 
to arrange the protocol for the president. Mm-hmm. When you go on heads of state, they go with. They're the ones that introduce Putin. And, you know, that that's the job of the head of... It's, it's a really powerful position, right? If you can accept bribes... I'm just using that exa- as an example. I'm not saying anyone accepted bribes. But you can... A head of state, you can, you can, you have all the access to introduce people to the mm. president mm. more than anyone else, especially on foreign travel, right? So there's no way they didn't have a relationship, Zuma and Bruce Kobane, right? So, so Zuma may, may not may not have told him do one, two, three because he was so ahead of the game that he never left his fingerprints on anything. <laughs> but the reality of it is, why is an official at Durko? What is it that allowed him, even to say if you accept his version, what is it that he believed that this is a very powerful family? And if I disagree, just if you take him mm-hmm. on his account, mm-hmm. how bad were things were, uh, were at the time that, you, that it was, this guy was like, I can't disobey these people or I can't mm-hmm. stand up again. I must enable them because enabling them will get me to where I want. Yeah, no. I think the big connecting question. the dots. <laughs> <laughs> We're not connecting the dots. Here. But <laughs> the one thing I was very surprised about personally was that the commission or the chief, uh, the deputy chief justice um, Raymond Zono did not ask Kowane. Okay, fine. You drop these names in, obviously, and 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 Kowane admitted that it must have caused them serious reputational damage mentioning their names. It must have. Okay, that's what he says. But then, so you've dropped the president's name. You've caused him reputational damage. People are now asking questions about the president. But then he rewards you with an ambassadorial post. Why was that question not asked? And Kawane said that I didn't have the... the, the yeah. He said he was too ashamed to speak to the president afterwards. Hmm. He, hasn't, he said he hasn't spoken to the president since hmm. the plane landed. But the thing is, then who gave you your job? How, who told you about your job? No, no, no. How does no, it work? But n- no, I, I, I can believe that, right? I can. Th- that's not something outrageous to me because the you can become an ambassador without the president's. Okay, to cool. You. But but then, why would the president reward him with that job? Because that and was not just Jacob, leave him on suspension. That was Jacob Zuma's modus operandi, and once he he, he you have served his interests and he has rewarded you, he can forget about. Yes, you. but surely that question should have been asked. Absolutely, right, absolutely. But that was an important uh, question. Uh, uh, how, how the president it? needs but, but to answer that question. You're the former president yes. needs to answer <laughs> that question. Yeah. Also, oh, oh, yeah, uh, because I mean, the guy was being disciplined. Yeah, and he was suspended for 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 for, for that incident. Mm. Uh, and you turn around, and and uh, and reward him with that position. Why? I mean. You if you were to so be offended, yeah. if you were so offended that he dropped your name, I remember. Remember when this this investigation was was going on with the JCPS cluster? Yes, um, Lutule House had to comment as well. Yes, and uh, I think it was Gwede who was speaking there. That they and Jackson and Jackson, yeah, they were so angry <laughs> yeah, at the fact yeah, that a name dropping, yeah. <laughs> misusing the name of the president. Yeah. So Gwede was that angry. Uh, Jackson was that angry on Jackson Mtembo, no? Yeah, Jackson Mtembo was that angry on behalf of then President Jacob Zuma, but Jacob Zuma was not angry. So why <laughs> yeah. is he not angry yeah, about the this? Yeah, the person who so, name dropped me, I'm gonna reward him now. Yeah. No, they, they, but they, but can I tell you something, now? Yeah, um, that incident, the Vashkov incident. Remember, I was at the belly of the beast at the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> For those who know, mm. know, mm. <laughs> right? But. 
it really was what you needed to exemplify or to like almost become that an example of the type of influence they had. And remember, by 2013, the influence was not it was not around for that long. Mm. They only started getting real muscle. If you look at the emails, if you look at the mm. capture, 2012. So 2013, boom, you do this thing. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse yeah. and worse and worse. And I think that people like Bruce Kowane, people like, you know, other people, maybe the ministers that were involved at the time, your Ben Martins, etc. The, 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 their decisions to protect, let's not say who, but to, to, to not speak <laughs> out at that time, enabled the decimation mm. of the state that came afterwards that was that was we could get away with it so mm. screw everyone yeah if, if you did it once you can did it again <laughs> <laughs> i can also did it <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the scary part is that Kowane was sort of the centerpiece around this whole thing and everybody was sort of relying on his testimony to sort of blow the lid on the entire Vatukluf landing. And that's not the case. There's nobody else to go to because the commission has already heard all the evidence from all the senior officials who had um, followed his instruction and approved the flight. And the big gap was then Kowonen, whose instructions he was acting on. And now I guess, will we ever know is the big question to but ask. C- can I ask, um, is the commission empowered to then uh, recommend that further action be taken against Kowonen? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, if they do that, then um, if it goes the legal route, uh, would he want to to really go to the grave with this one? But but you see what happens, and this is a very important discussion, Amir, is that so many people have weighed their odds mm. when it comes to this commission and realize, nah, man, we can come, we can, we, we, this is not serious. Mm. And so if there was a real if there was a real chance that Bruce Kolmane would have been personally affected, what is, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to him? He already has a bad name. What is the worst thing? If you carry on lying here under oath, mm. I mean, mm. really, what, what is going to happen to him? He's sitting there thinking, the worst that's going to happen to me is that I might lose my job. And anyways, my posting cycle was going to come to an end now. Anyways, mm. I've already made 8 million rand from the state <laughs> yeah. or whatever mm. million. You understand? So, so yeah, yeah, I have this cushion I've already bought my house. My house is paid up. My cars are paid. So, so there's no, there's no incentive mm. at this commission for people to tell, to the tell, tell the really truth. the truth, oh. unless you are like, like I suppose you know the whistleblowers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I'm saying, if, when you are subpoenaed, mm. there's no precedent that has been set to say, Sh- I'm gonna go down like he went down. You know, mm. like when number mm. one went down. I'm number 15 and I'm also going down. <laughs> the, the, the only person that went down shame was Dandan named and, and, shame, and, 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 and that's <laughs> for the guy. And even him himself, he, his thing didn't even uh, involve uh, lying under oath. He was just speaking to a poor journalist. <laughs> and, and then he comes here and tell us, tells us the truth and then boom. And then, and, and uh, like now this PG finding, you know, the, the, the but we'll get to PG, right? We'll get to PG. <laughs> we'll get to PG but, but it's, the, the reality of it is that the, the the enforcers of state capture are not afraid by the, of this in, of this no of course not inquiry course not. as they ought to have been maybe they were at the beginning but now there's so people are just like tired of hearing Chris's nonsense <laughs> and this one's nonsense it's like so what oh you came God. and you, you you understand 
Mm. And they know that the state has been, the, the criminal justice system has been has dismantled. Been dismantled. Yeah. So what's going to happen? Shamila Batoy is going to charge you. And then, you, like, nothing's going to happen. Then you're going to be back into power. That's, that's exactly what, if I'm, if I'm a Zuma person that was a recipient of state or an enforcer of state capture, I'm just thinking, by the time she charges me and this man goes to court, <laughs> it will be NGC, it will be next I'll use politics, you understand? Exactly. I'll win the next round and then I'm fine. Mm. Well, that's a sad state of affairs, I guess, because the thing is, we're never going to get closure on the Barterkloof matter. And we'll have to wait until um, the Deputy of Justice actually comes out with the report and see what he recommends. And that's going to be, Trace, I can't even tell you when that's going to be. <laughs> I thought you were <laughs> going to say you have to wait until Jesus comes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're going to take another quick break. And when we get back, we're going to get into our last segment uh, where we're going to tell you what to expect when you're unsuspecting. Join us after the break. <laughs> Young people are making their mark. Get up. Tune into the Sebenza Live Behind the Hustle podcast every Tuesday to find out more about what fascinating careers are out there. You can find us on the Sebenza Live website or you can follow us on Twitter on Sebenza Live. Sebenza boy. Sebenza girl. Sebenza. Yavamdanam. To advertise on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly podcast, email us at smiths at tsoblackstar.co.za. That's smiths at tsoblackstar.co.za. Next week, um, the former president, Jacob Zuma himself, will be appearing before the state capture inquiry. Now, I use the word appearing because that's the words his lawyers used when they wrote back to the commission saying that he will comply. Um, but he, they didn't use the word testify. So we don't really know exactly what's going to happen next week. All we know is that between the 15th and the 19th, the commissioner set down dates for Zuma to appear and answer questions um, against allegations that have been put down. And there's there's a lot of allegations, guys. I mean, this went back all the way to the beginning of the commission when Barbara Hogan was testifying about <clears throat> how um, the president, the then president, influenced her to appoint various CEOs at distant Paris, at various Paris details, how he sort of put pressure to make certain deals happen. Um, that went on to, if I remember correctly, then went on to Feki, who said that she had, Zuma had introduced her to the Gupta family and that they had offered her the deal um, to be um, public enterprises minister. There were a whole <laughs> bunch of other allegations against Zuma. Um, Agrizi said that um, Zuma was on their payroll, 300,000 rand a month, I think it was. Yeah, there was Ramesh Lodi. There's a, there's a whole lot that Zuma has to answer for next week. Whether he will answer or not is a different story. Kwanita, you know, you've been covering Zuma for a long time over your career. And this approach that Zuma has of delaying and delaying and delaying, we've seen it happen in court over the arms deal case. We've seen it happen mm-hmm. over the state capture, the original public protector's um, report in state capture to the Monzellas report. We've seen this, this delaying tactic over and over and over these years. Do you think that we're actually going to finally get an official answer from the president next week as to what happened over his tenure. If Jacob Zuma, if I would say his middle name if I could pronounce it, <laughs> if, <laughs> if he to 16 Empire Road and answers questions about what was mm. raised here, 
I'm buying everyone in this room black. It's my been recorded. It's my point made. Do it for me, Mshulwa. Do it for me. Amil, Amil, what are his what are his options? Can he come here and say nothing? Yeah. So, so he can't come here and say nothing. He can okay. come here and have his lawyers argue why the commission is being biased towards them. He can come here and say that I don't know anything. I don't recall this. I don't recall that. I don't know what you're talking about. You're being biased to me. They could basically throw the entire process off if they wanted to and argue that he's being treated unfairly because they've already started to argue mm, that mm, in their yeah, letters. Yeah. But that's what they always do. Yes. Yes. So it seems that Zuma's strategy is to become the victim here um, before the commission. And, 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 that's, and that's where we start to see um this process start to develop where you certify yourself as the victim and then start to delay the entire process until something happens in your favor and then you can say something outside of court that the state capture commission has found nothing against zuma it has mm. serious findings what ngwakora matlodi alone mm. has has said to this commission is enough to put another president away yeah if if we had a, a well functioning democracy or well functioning criminal justice system so the thing is the the this is this is this gives him ammunition for political to to fight back politically instead of going and, and actually subjecting yourself and i think it's something that he's going to want to delay mm-hmm. until he can't anymore as we've seen him do hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times in his presidency the thing is you can't really uh I I'm surprised to see how long he's been delaying this because um he wanted questions from the commission they wanted they he, yes to they wanted to he wanted to know okay ask are you going to ask me this question this question give me a list of questions I'll prepare my responses and I'll come and give it to you that's what his plan was but the thing is how the commission works is the moment your your name is mentioned in the commission they issue you with a notice mm. a 3.3 notice saying that your name has been mentioned by this person respond. how do you respond yeah. that technically is a question here's the allegation how do you respond that's the question so he's not it's not like he hasn't been getting the questions it's just been a different form so now saying that the commission is treating him unfairly it's a totally different matter or it's totally untrue actually but he did the exact same thing with the tuli with tuli madansela to say board, yeah. yeah to say no she didn't give me the questions beforehand then she sends the questions then it was oh i didn't have i needed a few months to respond to it when it was yes or no questions remember <laughs> yeah yeah i remember so <laughs> So so I mean what you're saying basically is that uh despite these serious allegations that have been made against uh, our former president mm. he can come and say nothing and yeah. that's the end of it Exactly and the, all they have to say is well Zuma didn't respond to the allegations and and nothing will happen to him Noth- nothing will happen to him Unless of course <laughs> of, uh, unless of course the Zuma's is looking the, the, so shocked <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of the commission guys <laughs> no, no, but but if 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 he goes the thing about it though is uh he has to be careful because if he doesn't respond uh to those questions mm. openly and uh, as honestly as, as possible mm. uh when he feels that he really did nothing wrong mm. the likelihood is that if then there is a trend that this guy is not answering or responding to any of these questions so if someone is not responding or answering uh, and people are making these allegations mm-hmm. and they are under oath uh, the likelihood is that um, uh, the commission then should be compelled to say uh, part of our findings that this guy is the one who should be answering for this and this and yes. this and that and if we want to recommend 
you must recommend uh, this course of action. Well, the thing so is, so it co- may disadvantage him yeah. in a way. Exactly, you the know, commission will find against him because he hasn't provided an alternative facts. Mm. And in the example for that, you, you know this. I mean, in the Nugent report, remember mm. the Nugent report, yeah. is that Tom Muyale didn't want to go and answer the questions. He didn't want the same, very yeah. similar scenario. Mm. And you know, they have the same mm. legal team. He was right? saying that he was. Mm. They were biased against they, him. In all they just, they just fought the the process to say this is biased. You know, so then. Judge Nugent made findings adversely mm. against him. And the funny thing is that Moyani never challenged the report on <laughs> to court. <laughs> yeah. So what you do is you take a political process. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Where people actually don't know about the real nitty-gritty of the whole process. to say, no, that Nugent report is bogus. I was not even called there. Meanwhile, you were called there. Mm. You made a completely mm. different argument about raising the fact that the one of the lawyers in the in the, in the Nugent Commission used to once long ago work with <laughs> Ramaphosa. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. So you, it's 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 a very similar tactic, and I think it's important for us mm. as journalists to actually point out. Oh, we've seen this before. We've seen it before. We've seen it in the spy tapes. We've seen it in state capture, standing Kandla. We've mm. seen it over and over and over again. But anyway, that's for next week. So I guess we're going to have a massive, explosively good podcast <laughs> next week um, after the president. Well, he'll be in the midst of his testimony, hopefully, um, when we get back to you guys next week. But thank you so much for joining me in the studio, guys. And thank you for everyone who's listening. Um, we're going to catch you guys next week in the midst of Zuma's testimony, should he come and should he testi- uh, testify at least. And uh, join us then. Thank you so much and have a good week.